I'm Pat Hyben, and over the past 25 years, I've sold over 7,000 homes, selling over a billion dollars in volume. In 2010, I sold my team business to my top agent and went on book tour promoting my book, Six Steps to Seven Figures, a real estate professional's guide to building wealth and creating your destiny. That book went on to become a New York Times bestseller. Now I live off the passive income streams from the real estate I bought with commissions I earned as a full-time agent. And I am committed to giving back to the real estate industry as so many mentors of mine have given back to me. On this show, we'll interview the world's best agents, brokers, coaches, and investors to help you make more commissions and create the life you deserve. Get a free copy of Chantel Ray's Five Alive Contract, the form that she has her agents sign to get a guaranteed $75,000 salary if they don't make it in commissions. A very controversial plan that's happening in her market today. You can get a free copy. Just text CONTRACT to 444-999 or go to hybendigital.com backslash contract. That's hybendigital.com backslash contract or just text contract to 444-999. Okay, Rockstar Nation, we have a great guest today, someone I've been trying to get on the show for a long time and he has taken time out of his busy schedule to come on real estate rock stars today mr steve murray the founder and ceo of real trends uh mr steve welcome to real estate rock stars fast thanks for having me on how you doing i'm doing awesome buddy i am doing awesome why don't steve why don't you give everybody a little bio on yourself so they can get to know you better well, I mean, this is my 40th year in the industry, 30th year since we founded Real Trends. Lori Moore and I founded it 30 years ago, just started our 31st. We, we are, uh, have built a um, kind of a two-part business. We are, half of our business is publishing conferences, research, etc. Uh, and the other part is consulting, both valuation, merger acquisition consulting, and now online marketing and digital marketing technology consulting and the business uh, all those businesses are growing had a record year last year have a great young team preparing for the future and we're as busy as we've ever been across the board wow why do you think that is well i'd like to say a brilliant leader but that wouldn't be the case <laughs> we have done the very best we try every day uh, as we have for 30 years to build a relationship with people in this industry where they can trust us to be uh, honest with them to do good work for them be responsible for our work and uh, you know if you just if you do that over over and over again for a long period of time and you produce good work we think that'll take care of itself and, and some of the exacts that you're doing, some of your big uh, jackpots that you're involved in, you have the Gathering of Eagles, which is your main real estate I event, correct? Yes. And then you have the Real Trends reports and the Real Trends top lists. Can you... Yeah, we, well, we, we have four separate online publications. We have our monthly Trends newsletter our multiple times a week blog, we have our weekly Tech Touch, and we have quarterly Lore Magazine, which is Lore's Lives of Real Estate. It's kind of a people magazine, published four times a year online. I should add, we now have a fifth publication, which is a commentary called Real Views, mm, which is that. also published weekly. We rank, uh, have for 30 years ranked the top residential brokerage companies in the country, the Real Trends 500 and up and comers. 
you have to do at least 500 closed sides to qualify to be on that. This year we had a record 1,700 brokers in the country qualified. We also rank the top agents and teams. That report will come out in two parts. The top 1,000 is called the 1,000 by the Wall Street Journal and Real Trends, comes out June 26th followed by America's Best, which is all agents and teams who did more than 50 closed sides or $20 million in volume verified. That should that gets released the first week of July this year, and we're still, we closed that at the end of March. It takes us two full months just to verify and cross-check. Yeah. I think we've got something over 13,000 submissions this year for the top <laughs> agent ranking. I yeah. remember one time I, I, you know, I submitted ours as a team and it, it came back and this is when I was doing like, you know, 500 some transactions and it said, yeah. well, well, we'll give you all these, but three or something like that. <laughs> I was like, okay, whatever, you know, well, you know, we're doing the, five. The, the, for all for all the audience, look, no, no human system is perfect. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, we don't we don't claim that our rankings are perfect. They're as perfect as three to four people working full time on them, depending on mm. the general integrity of this industry, which is actually quite high. Our mistakes made, yes. Do we have people who try to mislead us? Sure, that's happened. We also tell them if I find out, me personally, if I find out you've misled us will ban you for life from the study it's that simple mm, wow and so how did you uh, get connected with wall street journal because that was a pretty big score for you to, to go from creating this report by yourself to then having wall street journal endorse it we had been had a great working partnership with them for years going back in the 90s with the gathering of eagles uh, with some of our CEO groups, and we would, um, instead of them paying for a sponsorship, we would, we they would uh, print the Real Trends 500 rankings in the Wall Street Journal. I want to tell you, is it probably around 2003 or four? I don't recall when they approached us and uh, wanting to wanting to build better relationships with top agents. They said, well, you rank brokers. Could you rank agents and teams? And we thought about it and talked about it internally, and we figured out we probably could. There was probably a way we could do it to make it legitimate. The first year's ranking, I think, was the top 400, and now we're at 13,000. Wow, that's incredible. Well, no one else has done it. You know, No one else has really put the effort into doing it, and all teams – you know, are ego-based, you know, they want to be like, hey, you know, uh, I'm the number one team or the number two team or what have you, or ranked in the top 500 or whatever it is, you know, so so it's it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I love it. So, uh, Well, it's, you know, it's um, just like when we started the broker rankings in 1988. No one had done it before. No one had set a definition of what we're actually counting I mean, brokers, people don't remember, but in the 80s, 70s and 80s, when I first got in the business, brokers were making claims just ad infinitum about how big they were, how much business they did. It was just a lot of stuff out there. None of it verified. Nobody could check anybody's claims. It took us the better part of five to ten years to establish how we were counting and how we do the verification. And we don't make exceptions. And there are some really fine people, companies we respect, like Windermere and Weikert, who have not submitted to the Real Trends 500 for a decade. You know, they just choose not to. Hmm. Part of it Interesting. is because of our rules. Part of it because the way we measure things and do things don't fit their way of doing business. So but I don't submit. understand that. So, so the W is on Windermere and Weikert. So they're like, hey, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna s- submit. Is it because they're lazy and they don't, they just don't want to fill out the paperwork, no. or what? I mean, what no, a transaction no, no. is a transaction? Windermere does. Windermere, for instance, not only doesn't submit for the broker rankings, but they discourage their agents from submitting to the agent rankings. Why? It's part of their culture. 
that Windermere is a family, oh, and we don't want to segregate sense. ourselves from each other. It's fine. You know, that's oh, I see. They don't want to compete like that. I'm the best and you're second. Right. But they've got to have yeah. award, internal awards. I don't know that they do. I actually think they don't. Hmm. Yep. And, and, uh, and Jim Weicker is more, he likes focusing on their entire business practice, brokerage, title, mortgage, relocation, lead management, uh, all the various property casualty insurance. He, when he discusses his company, it's not just about brokerage transactions. He, he focuses on his entire enterprise. Hmm. So he did, you know, and that's why I respect him for that. He, I mean, he's, and he's consistent. Both of them are. They don't submit to us, and they don't submit to anybody else either. Hmm. Very interesting. So, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So, so you just got back. I know some people that went to the Gathering of Eagles. I heard it was just a phenomenal event. I want to know about, you know, what trends and, and what's hot, what's new that, uh, that you picked up from that. Well, I don't know that it was a, a lot new so much, Pat, is, is we heard a lot of affirmation of tried and true philosophies. You know, you listen to Dave Linegar of Remax and Ron Peltier of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services and Howdy, Howdy Hanna, and you hear them talking about, yes, technology has changed things. Yes, it's going to keep changing things. Yes, there are new tools and new techniques to master. But the the tried and true principles of being professional, improving your knowledge, growing your learning, staying with your customers, and, and cooperating with others to get the job done is as important today as it ever was. None of them expressed any fear of the future, regardless. They felt like their businesses would be sound, today as they will be tomorrow as they were yesterday hmm, interesting. that was kind of that was an affirmation from three guys who have a whole lot of personal money invested in this industry absolutely yeah, a yeah, lot. yeah. and yeah so you know it'd be a conflict of interest for them to say otherwise but but you know we ask them some pointed questions and they you know i think the reason they told you that was because uh, there's more threat than ever before of a customer of an agent's being taken from an outside source because before, like, if someone's looking for a house, very few people knew. Like, no other agents generally knew. So you could keep your clientele pretty tight. But nowadays, you know, your client's probably online. About 12 different agents know that they're looking for a house, so there's a huge threat there. And that's why it's more important than ever to keep them close, you know, and and like these guys said. Well... And yet, you know, the top 20 or 25 percent of the agents and teams do more and more of the business, more and more of the business, consolidating around better service, more service teams that can produce more, better marketing systems, better follow-up systems. What these guys were saying is we faced threats, some of them sitting at that very table, Iran and Peltier and Hadi Hanna, had great businesses cruising along until Dave Linegar's model smashed into them in the 80s and changed the way they had to economically run their business. The late 90s, early 2000s, Keller Williams slammed into all of them, changed the way they structured their companies and the economics of their business. You know, these guys, though, all they've been all been around since the uh, 70s, and they remember the threat of Merrill Lynch and Sears, we're going to take over the business and... <laughs> lions coming over the hill and the big banks in real estate and you know we all laughed at one point saying this industry if we don't have a clear clear and present danger we'll make one up wow you know? so so this leads to a great question because I, I i i just hung up with uh david osborne and mike mccarthy two big uh, keller williams regional guys and yep. uh, I said, you know let, what question do you want me to ask steve and and they both said they wanted to know about the broker models that exist now that could potentially threaten Keller Williams. How you said that you just said, hey, you know, you know, Merrill Lynch came in and threatened, and then 
and then Re- Dave Linegar and Remax came in and smashed everybody. Then Keller Williams came in and smashed everybody. Well, who's poised to be the next smasher? Well, there's 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 two ways you look, right? Or maybe there's three. One way you look is that teams themselves break away from Keller, Remax, and others and form their own brokerage companies. Yeah, a lot of people call that a do. teamerage. <laughs> a good name. Um, but, you know, it's a team brokerage. And and we had one on the panel, Tammy Pardee from Southern California. You know, she's got 80-plus people in her organization, most of whom are full-time employees, absolutely 100 to the nth degree full service, everything for their clients. All salaried so people, agents, yeah. Her listing agents are salaried employees. Yeah. You know, and the company generates the business, and they service the client customer. Well, that model, you know, that may have some legs. Then, the other hand, you have, obviously, it's not a, a new business, but coming on for the last 10, 15 years, you have what we call flat fee brokerage. It's really a 100% commission concept. It's just less expensive than Remax. Right? Think about it. I mean, Realty One Group, Solid Source, Home Smart. They have great technology platforms. They're fairly low cost for agents and brokers. And they're, they, we find different iterations of them in almost every market in the country. Fine. Okay. Hmm. They're doing well. They're recruiting a lot of agents. They house a lot. So those are two, you know, as, as I've said a number of times, look, there's always going to be somebody that will try to be cheaper. Yeah, that's always that's always there, and of course, yeah, you, I mean, you know when Remax got, went ninety five five and started right. having transaction fees, you know during you know after two thousand eight or whenever they started doing that, and you know to make yeah. more profit, and now you know now that the market's better, other people are saying, hey, you know we can go whatever we can we can do even cheaper than that. So that's yeah, interesting, but it's, I, yeah, it's and and we haven't seen the end of that. I mean, one of the biggest brokers in uh, Colorado charges $25 a month and a couple hundred dollars for each transaction. It's got 1,600 agents. has more agents than any single brokerage company in the state of Colorado. Uh, what is that? What's the name of it? Cherry Creek Properties. Cherry Creek Properties, they charge what? 1600 a month? No. $25 a month. Twenty. Okay, twenty. Where did I get 1600 25 bucks a month. And a couple hundred dollars a transaction. And a transaction fee. That's it. Hmm. That's sixteen hundred agents, from Pueblo to Fort Collins to the to Grand Junction to Denver. And I wonder how. And, I wonder if. They, and they're and they're profitable they and are. run by a really good operator. Yep, run by a real good operator named Dino Sargentis, and uh, sticks to basics, blocking and tackling. Good oper- There's all kinds of good operators with different models. But as I have told my clients, numerous clients, whether the Remax or Keller or traditional independents or traditional commission plan franchise brokers, I'll always tell them, hey, think about it this way. If it were only about the money, you'd be out of business. Hmm. There's always a cheaper brokerage alternative in every market in the country. Well, what right. about, yeah, yeah, There's and, and they're always popping up. You're always going to have help you sells and save sixes and things like that. And they, they, right. they tend to struggle a little bit keeping consistent. You know, they, they go out, then they go in. They go out, then they go in, you know, as far as popularity uh, with the markets. But I think one of the concerns or the, the questions that people have now is, what about these brokerages like EXP or that? What's there's the one another that, one, right? Yeah, or the one in um, New York. And there's York. Next Home. What is Next Home? Oh, that's another. It's another very interesting, low-cost, high-technology business model for brokers and agents. Great, you know, they may they may gain a lot of traction. They may, who knows? May we may may wake up one day and EXP has eighty to hundred thousand agents. Hard to tell. Yeah, and hard to tell. Well, what about the concept of of not uh, needing an office, doing everything every, every, digitally, every, no I, paper? You know, what you, what we're talking about is, do I need to go to a quote sales office? Correct. Now, 
from personal experience, since I started Real Trends in my house, it takes a great deal of discipline to run a business from your home. It can be done, and lots of people do it, but it, it takes a lot of discipline to run a business from your home. Every agent or team is going to want a place to work from. Might be their house, might be they rent some executive suites, could be they buy a a house in a commercial area where they can have their own offices. Everybody's going to have a place to, that they call work. It's what we're talking about is do we need sales offices where there's 100 agents in there? Yeah, the I mean, question. but it, if you can do meetings on Zoom and, and you know, you could yeah. use you can use computers to to have meetings, you could use Slack to have camaraderie and, and communicate as a team on a regular basis and things like that. Do you yeah. think that the bricks and mortar of real estate will eventually start to, you know, decrease? Yeah, that's already happening, Pat. We're already seeing major brokers in this country, traditional brokers, downsize and reorient their space to more open workspace, fewer private or semi-private offices. That's been going on for five, uh -huh. eight years now. Yeah, um, we're, we're seeing that happen. But I will tell you, and I, I'm, I'm no expert at it, but I would venture a guess that there is a need in human beings in our industry to visit with each other in person. Otherwise, you wouldn't have 15,000 people going to KWRI's family reunion. Mm, okay. Or you wouldn't have True. eight or 9,000 going to REMAX conference. Or mm. you wouldn't have, you know, I don't know what the number is, eight, ten, twelve thousand 12,000 going to Inman Connect. Or you wouldn't mm. have 350 last week at the Gathering of Eagles. People do like to interact with each other and talk. Uh, it is not an industry which it lends itself to people holding themselves up in a home office and never interacting with their peers. Well, good answer. I don't think. Good answer. I don't think, yeah, I mean, I just don't. But I, I think people can work out of their homes, but I think that, and even models, you know, you look at Realty One Group, which has done a phenomenal job. They have these 20-some-odd uh, offices and, I don't know, six. 6,000, 7,000 agents. I've been in their offices. They'll have 50, 60, 70 people wandering around, working, sitting in an open bullpen, typing on their laptops, talking with each other, sitting and having a cup of coffee. I think that even low-cost models that don't emphasize their offices, they like to have people do like to get together. Um, anyway, it keeps going on. Yeah, but absolutely. I think that, I, I think that um, what did we hear? We heard from three young broker leaders, Danny Morell of Intero, Tammy Pardee from her firm, and Rainey Hake from Alon Pinnell. All happened to be young leaders in their 30s from California running three different kinds of companies. Danny Morell says, I've been able to build a 400-agent brokerage in five or six years by offering mentoring and coaching. Hmm. That's our main thing, he said. Tammy Holt runs a team brokerage, very successful. We're going to do it one way. We're going to do it professionally. We're going to spend the money, and we're going to do it right. We're going to market like crazy, and we're going to take care of our clients. Rainey talks about Alon Pinnell from a marketing and technology point of view. They continue to emphasize that they are a high-end luxury brand, and how do they train their agents to use that to increase their business? So three different approaches to it, three different focuses. It all still works fine. They're all doing extremely well. Podcasts Nation. Boy, listen, the emails, Facebook comments, everything is blowing up with regards to episode 500. Dale Archdeacon and Sam Monreal, the premier experts on real estate leads in the world, I would say, were on, and it was a phenomenal show. They have a class on Rebus University. They have three classes that are being offered at 195 bucks each, the Certified Outbound Lead Specialist, Certified Inbound Lead Specialist, and the Certified ISA Manager course, all with a ton of videos, a ton of tests, 
and a ton of special downloads to help you build your outbound leads, your inbound leads, and your ISA teams. And so we are offering them for a hundred people only, a hundred people only, we're giving a bundle. And in that bundle, you're going to get all three and you get them all three for 495 bucks, or you can buy them separately for 195 bucks each. You know, take the shortcut, avoid all the mistakes, you know, the right way to do it from the beginning, right out of the gate, turnkey and easy, improve your lead conversion, improve your ROI, more commission dollars. I mean, just get the roadmap from proven experts. Your return on investment of 495 bucks is tenfold just from one sale, maybe 20 fold just from one sale. I mean, the cost of this course has a massive return on investment, a massive one. Look at the five star reviews on rebusuniversity.com of all of our other courses and you'll see that uh, we don't make crap. We make courses that are phenomenal and these are some of the best. We have a hundred percent money back guarantee. And again, it's proven experts who walk the talk. They don't just teach it. They're in the trenches every day. Now, when I did the interview with them on episode 500, they offered their emails to the world. And I'm like, dude, you do not want this. This could be a mistake. I said, let's just make this bundle. We'll make it a hundred people for the bundle. We'll close it after a hundred. And anybody that gets the bundle, We'll give them out your emails. So that's what we're going to do. Not only do you get the bundle, but you're going to get their private emails. So you can email them questions you have as you go along or just email them and say hello. And that will be only for the first hundred people that jump on this one way to get it. And that's just the text bundle, text bundle, B-U-N-D-L-E to 444-999. Just text bundle to 444-999. Get the ISA manager course, the outbound lead, and the inbound lead course all in one. This one is one of the best. Trust me. That's bundle. (laughs) That's bundle to 444-999. Text the word bundle now. Let's shift gears a little bit here. Let's talk about expansion. Now, mega of, agent expansion. Mega agent, agent expansion. expansion where, you know, an agent is building up a business, you know, in their hometown. And then they say, man, I can franchise my name essentially and put it in another city, either in another state or another city nearby or not nearby in their own state. Now, what, to the, what have you to seen? The extent, to the extent I know what will happen with this. To the extent that the person who's trying to do this has a true business system that they have debugged, tested, and they can hire a good leader in different markets to run that system effectively, which means run that system, hire, and develop the people to run that system effectively, they can be successful. No question about it. If you don't have a great system that's proven and does work, know exactly how to run it, But secondly, if you can't find leaders in distant markets to run it the way you need it run, it won't work. So it's all about the leadership in the other market. You can't expect to be a leader in one part of Ohio and then lead three other expansion uh, teams. You're saying you need to find a good, incredible leader in that other uh, other center. Every Every single part of your... Every single office or whatever you want to call it needs a brilliant leader. Yeah. And, and the brokerage companies, along with teams that have great leaders and a system and a culture, they can succeed. If you don't have all three of those things, you won't make it. Hmm, that's interesting because a lot of people think that that's they can, it. again, that they could do that via Skype or they can do it online, you know, with FaceTime on their phone and, and train. Yeah. You know, the agents time that will, way. T- time will tell. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> okay. I appreciate your I candor there. Yeah. Yeah, I doubt it. I mean, I've told that in front of large groups of people at Keller Williams, at Tom Ferry's events, and a couple others. 
I said, look, there's there's a pers- there's a, a, a what we call a convenience team of two or three people just getting together to share the load. There's a personality team where you got a one main rainmaker who just showers business and recruits enough agents to handle the volume that the uh, personality team leader. And then you got the business system team. Okay, so let me, let me slow you down team. here because I heard you go into this on Patrick Lilly's podcast, Real yeah. Estate Success Rocks, and then Jeff Cohn had uh, heard that and he put a little spin on it, and I've talked to him about that as well. So, so let's talk about this if you don't mind. So, what are the three types or four types of teams? I, I, I class look. Tom Ferry has a couple different uh, classifications and names, and I'm sure people have their own. Those are just mine. Right. I mean, there is the majority of the teams are one to three people. They get together to share the business load, share each other's clients, so people can build their business sharing it and be able to take four weeks off to go to Europe. So right? it's basically three or four people that are really solo agents, right? Usually two to three, yeah. Two to Usually three that are solo three. agents that, that are the they're typical sharing, workaholic working hard agents, and then they're like, you know what, I want to just bail and go to Europe, and in order to do this once or twice a year, I need someone I could trust in the office uh, to take care of my stuff while I'm away, and then they do the same, and I take care of their stuff, and they're just kind of trading, Liz is out of the office this week, and I'm handling it, and that's how they do it. That's it. Okay. That's it. What did you call that? That's convenience. That's just a convenience team. That's a convenience team. team. I call it convenience team. Yep, I like that. The the next one is the personality team. You've got an outsized personality. He he or she may have a significant brand name in the community, and they are, through their own sphere, their relationships and referrals, and or maybe they might add online or direct mail, they built this huge practice, but it is wrapped around their personality and mm. their ability to generate business. And that these are the mega teams. I mean, they're most it, of the mega a, teams. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lar- there are a lot of large teams that are based on a personality. And that's the right? easiest on one, one to scale because for whatever right. reason, people fall in love with said personality, even though you know they might not ever meet said personality that's entirely possible but the key thing inside that is still a big chunk of that business is personal referrals and relationships okay so with the personality team that person is uh, still involved on a day-to-day basis with yes. clients, Very, talking to clients, angry yep, clients, yep. meeting with clients. Uh, they're very beholden to the business still. Right. Correct. Okay. And as you know, none of these three definitions I'm going through with you are perfect or set in stone. There's right. yeah. variations on all of them. There's, there's variations on all of them. But that's kind of the general category. No, I get that. And yeah. we talk... We talk to a lot of them, and then you got the business system team. You got you got a Mark Spain in Atlanta. You've got Ben Kinney. They have a true business system of how they're going to generate clients and customers, and how they're going to be handled, and how they're going to be communicated to, and who's going to handle them, and how they're going to handle them. They have a distinct business system for generating and serving, generating customers and serving those customers. And that's the one I'm that that's what I call the business system team. So how is this different? Because some would say, hey, you know, Mark Spain, it's still called Mark Spain, right? So then it is a personality. I mean, if he's if he's on a television commercial saying, hey, use Mark Spain group, isn't that a personality? No, because Mark doesn't doesn't touch a customer or client. I see. So he's like he's like Gary Keller. That's like Caldwell Banker. Caldwell Banker. Keller Williams, two guys. Two guys. Caldwell Banker, two guys. I see. Okay. Gary Keller doesn't service people. Right. Gary Keller built a system that is replicatable Mm. and scalable. Mm. Ben Kinney, another good guy we all know. He can call it the Ben Kinney team, but what's there is a system for marketing and cold calling and prospecting and online, generate inquiries and referrals into that business and there's a way they're going to do it but none of it's attached to ben kinney the person mm. none of those none of those buyers or sellers know ben kinney right 
So well, how how are they involved on the per, on the business system team ben, generally? What ben do you see? Is, ben and Mark are the guys. They run the business. They run the system. They hire the key people, and they hold those people accountable. Yep. They they're, also they're business look, They also look out to see are there more efficient ways for me to generate prospects? Are there different channels I should look at? They're constantly those guys looking at. All right, this is this is we spend this much to get these these many prospects. What's our capture rate? What's the return on revenue? Do we need to shift some spending a different place? Do we need to hire different kinds of people? You know, I had a long talk with Mark Spain not long ago, and you know, Mark has a very scalable business. The key for him and Ben Kinney is, as I said before continue to refine the system and continue to hire the right people to run the business whether it's for Ben whether it's you know Pacific Northwest or Denver Colorado or Austin Texas for Mark Spain you know Atlanta Georgia or Charlotte or Birmingham or wherever else he chooses to go can he find the right people to make that business work under his system. Okay, now do you see this is I know the answer to the question, but tell me about the ability to sell any of all three of these three teams. Every individual practice, a convenience team, a personality team, and a business system team, they all have value. We we can find buyers for every one of them. It's just as the valuations of an individual agent's practice or a convenience team practice or a personality practice are less than a business system team, the valuations. Yeah. Why? Because uh, if I buy an individual agent practice, well, he, that agent has all the relationships with all the clients and customers. Suppose that guy goes out and gets run over by a bus tomorrow. What did I buy? What do you think a it's database? worth? Like, like one year's earnings? Not even that much. Half a half a year, or less. Okay. Yep. And then what about a personality team? team? A personality team could be a little bit more, but not a whole lot. Yeah. Because they're... as I said, remember, my classification of personality team is still over half of the business is coming from personal referrals and relationships. Right. And, and, and I can right. tell you this firsthand with my team, you know, when I stepped out and stopped calling them and stopped communicating right. with them myself, you know, they go away. Yeah. The past customers they go, go away. away. They go yeah. away. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They diminish significantly. Yeah, absolutely. Then you get the business system team and they carry more value. In fact, we just, mm. we just handled the sale of a large team brokerage in Alaska. Uh, about a month and a half ago, two months ago, very, very sizable. Tell me sizable about sizable business. Well, it was the West Madden team, West Madden, and it was. Um, you know, I can't get into too many specific numbers, but let's just say that it was um, probably um, two hundred plus million in sales. Eighteen to twenty people. Most of the business generated by TV, radio, billboard, direct mail marketing, also some online. And um, it was bought by a large Keller Williams team in Anchorage, Alaska, as an expansion team location. And we got a, a very, very acceptable multiple of earnings for that team. And it uh, worked extremely well. Now, the, you know, a multiple for brokerages is, is, is around three and a half, it seems it comes in at. Is that what a team sells for in under the no, business I mean, a, system, a, you think, a, or less? A, you know, a brokerage, a really good team will sell somewhere between a two and three multiple of the last 12 months EBITDA. A really good, a really good big team, probably. A business system team. Could be a little higher, probably not much. Two lower. and three. So if they're Brokerage, making a million net, you think you could get could two, two, two point five mil for them, right? Midpoint. And would that be if cash? You, you are, think? And if you're a brokerage doing a million dollars earnings, I would expect we'd be able to get no less, depending on where it is, what model it is. All there's a lot of factors, but most brokerage companies trade between three and four and a half. Yeah. Most companies, but, and, and there's var yeah. there's variations, 
some higher, some lower, but you know, in generally in that ballpark. Right. For at the actual offices. Yep, that's about yep. right. Yeah. So two to three, let's say two and a half and three and a half, or three point seven five. Three point seven five IBIDA for an office, uh traditional office or any office, and yep. and a yep. two point five for a business system team. So let's talk about the West Madden in Alaska, if you would. So, you know, a lot of people, you know, in discussion of this might say, Hey, you know, yeah, I might be able to make a million bucks a year, but where am I going to find another agent that has $2.5 million cash that's willing to pay or even one times EBITDA, right? I mean, uh, did they get no, a loan nobody, for that? No, no teams and no brokerages are sold for all cash. Okay, so how do you structure it? Well, generally you have part of it's cash, Part might be a note, guaranteed note, and a big part will be what's called an earnout, which means the, your 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 back end payments over two to four years will be based on how well that business continues to perform, and that's true of brokerages and teams. So they're saying, okay, if you if you continue to net a million bucks ibida i'm going to get 30 percent of that to make my i'm just making this up okay i mean you, know, so you sell it for two and a, you two and half million. A, let's suppose you were making a million dollars yep and we and we figure the value is two and a half million yep you might get five hundred to thousand to a million in cash down mm. you might have five hundred thousand in a four-year note and you might have a million dollars in a four-year earnout based on the performance of the team. So five hundred in cash, five hundred in a four-year note. This is a loan, right, for one hundred twenty-five right. grand a year. Seller financing. Seller yep. financing, and yep. and that makes a million. Then you got a million and a half left, and you're going to say four-year earnout. Four-year earnout, which which would be about yep. four hundred three fifty. Two and a half. Thirty-five percent of million. net. To West Madden right. or whoever, yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. So it can be done, and it has been done. Have you done any others uh, like that recently? Or we're working on some, but I can't talk about them. Yeah, They're sure. Still in process. No, well, it's yeah. great news. I mean, it's great. Yeah, I mean, news because in the past, it, I know, think it's, it's a big, big struggle it, where people have. It's not. It's not all. We had. We worked on another team that grossed a million one, made about. Two hundred and twenty-five thousand, and for their own reasons, they turned down a five hundred and twenty-five thousand dollar offer. Two times two and a half multiple. Yeah. Two and a half yeah, multiple. Yeah, a little over two. Yep. Ego. Well, I don't. I don't know that it was. I. I well, just, maybe they just don't want to move. Maybe they just want to sell. They, you know, I mean, you know, with brokers and teams, we get. They go, well, if I just keep it. I'll make that much in two and a half years, and I will say that's what a two and a half multiple implies. Yes, right. But the difference is, once you do this, two things. One, you no longer are legally liable for the operation of that business. That's one thing. Number two, you're going to get the income in capital gains, most of it, not personal income. Mm-hmm. And you're locking in the value because, you know, you're selling right. teams for two and a half Ibida, uh, guess what? Yep. You know, twelve years ago, there were no buyers for buying a team at two. There were no buyers of buying a team at a half Ibida. You know what I mean? So, it, you just, you know, you're locking that in. Whereas in five years, there may not be, or maybe it's worth five multiple. You don't know, you know. But it's just like anything. You don't. It's like, you don't. You know, I mean, there's money out there now. Money is easy to get. Real estate is doing phenomenal, you know. A lot of people believe that it's going to continue to do phenomenal. Let yep, me yep. say this about the market. We haven't touched on it. Please. We are critically short of inventory in the part of market where, which has the biggest demand, which is the entry level, almost anywhere in the country, okay? Yep. That's not going to fix itself anytime soon. Why not? Because the builders... There's a whole bunch of reasons. Number one, the cost of land and the cost of governmental costs 
for a builder to build a house make it difficult to make a profit building entry-level homes. You have all kinds of land use restrictions and anti-growth political movements. I mean, everybody wants affordable housing, but government government's answer is not to find out what they could do to lower cost, but to tax developers to subsidize affordable housing. It's, it's ludicrous that they keep going down this path, hmm. and it will never solve the problem. Number one. Number two, cost of materials. Labor is critically short. Anywhere you talk to builders, labor, sheetrockers, plumbers, electricians, framers, foundation guys, landscapers, labor is critically short. We don't have we don't have the means readily available to increase supply. Yet we're we're critical vacancy we're we're you know very low vacancy rates in both multifamily and single family in most markets around the country. Just at the time the number of net new households is rising from you know, 900,000 a couple of years ago to 1.4 million last year. And could there's some forecasters say we could be creating 1.6 to 1.8 million new households a year in the years to come. And yet you have a an abundance of homes in the upper third of most markets where demand is starting to slide. So we got the we got a lot of supply where where demand is slackening and no supply where demand is growing. We're out of balance in the market. Right, and that's why the apartments are doing so well. That's why multifamilies are being built everywhere, and houses houses are not. Right, as fast as we can do it. Or affordable houses are not. Right, so, you know, it's going to be, we're going to see at some point, maybe this year, maybe next, we'll see actually a decline in unit sales is likely only because we just don't have the right product for the right buyer. Hmm. And affordability is, of course, getting worse. Right, and that's why so many people are, are that's why flipping is so hot, because, you know, you could buy a little a little tiny thing, and then, you know what I mean, and, yeah. and people will buy it, you know, yeah. um, because no one's building it. So the only way you get it, right. new and fresh, is to buy a flip. Right, right. So... You know, as one guy said to me, he said, what all the boomers got to do is they got to buy houses for their kids because the kids can't afford to get in them. Hmm. Huh. That's interesting. A fair amount of that going on. And there is a lot of entry-level housing locked up by investors as well. Now, most people talk about the institutions, but there's most estimates say there are 22 to 24 million one-to-four-family homes owned by investors. The best anybody's been able to show me institutions, you know, Goldman Sachs and Blackstone and those guys, they own a half a million. Out of 22 million, it's a drop in the bucket. Most of them are people like me and you, Pat, who own a couple. Mm. Yeah. I own a couple. Yeah. And I'm too. in no hurry to sell them. And they're both entry level. I keep them rented. It's good return on rent. They have good capital gains. Why would I sell them and pay taxes on them? What would I do with the money? Right. So, so, you know, I said this. I said to a group last week. I said I got an idea. You want to get some entry level housing on the market? And they said, Yeah. I said, Fine. Pass a one year, one year tax code change to allow any investors of residential one to four family homes who want to sell them in the next year. They pay no capital gains tax on on the transfer, hmm. and there'd be. Two to two to five million entry level homes would come on the market. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You'd have a lot of supply then. I'd sell mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes One-time sense. One time tax holiday. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, anyway. that, that, that's a neat idea. That's a neat idea. No, I mean, it, poli- you know, the politicians. Uh, you know, I figure. You know, so that's you know, if you figure there were a million at what. 250,000 average price, what's that, 2.5, I don't know what that number is, yeah. 2.5 trillion? No. Is it? No. I mean, I've got, yeah, I've got over 10 rentals that, that would fit in that range yeah. that would be that would be yeah. for, for a young family. I think, I think that I calculated, I don't know where I came up with this number, let's see, 300,000, a 250 average price times 1,000, that's 25 million. 
so would be two two point five billion. So it is it's two point five trillion. That can't be. Well, I don't know. Two million homes at two hundred and fifty thousand. That would be two two hundred and fifty million. Be five hundred million. Yeah. Two hundred and fifty half a billion dollars. And so if the if the capital gains are half that. Right. And the capital gains rate Fed is twenty three point eight, it's a loss of about twenty three billion dollars to the Treasury, which they wouldn't have gotten otherwise, because none of us are gonna sell them. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Wow. Yeah, I've it makes a lot of sense. Friend. I like it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Steve. All of Steve's yep. information is going to be on hybendigital.com backslash real trends. That's hybendigital.com backslash real trends. Steve, if I'm ever in your neck of the woods, we'll get together and break some bread. Fantastic. Talk to you soon, Pat. Thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Please be sure to leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening. All five-star reviews help us get better and better guests for your listening pleasure. And if you have a great review, I'll read it on the show. We are so proud of this show now with over a million downloads in 79 countries around the world. Also, don't forget to buy my book if you haven't already. Six Steps to Seven Figures, A Real Estate Agent's Guide to Building Wealth and Creating Your Destiny. With an intro by Gary Keller. Sold everywhere online books are sold. You can always go to pathyben.com and find out about all things Pat Hyben. And don't forget to follow me on social media. All you got to do is type in my name. I'm everywhere and easy to find. I hope to meet face to face someday. But in the meantime, let's meet on social media. Thanks again for listening and keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.